Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. When um, lockdown was on, I uh, was uh, doing walking around the park as a lot of people do, and then one day Rosie, who is was a student with us in Fallowfield, went to Latin America. She was a Spanish stu- uh, speaking student. No, she's an English Spanish <laughs> learning Spanish. And um, anyway, she rang me and. Uh, so, Colin, I've been walking around the park like you're allowed to do. And she says, I just keep hearing Spanish speakers. This is Fallowfield Platt Park. And I kind of surprised her how many people were speaking Spanish. And she said to me, would it be possible for me to start a Spanish-speaking site? Now, you don't have to ask me that kind of twice, you know. In fact, you don't even have to ask me, you know. But the reality is, of course, the answer is, Absolutely, yes. And so, basically, she started some online kind of conversations. And then when she was allowed, her and Beth, who's um, one of the girls at Fallowfield, started to connect with some Spanish speakers, some in Stockport and then some in Rochdale. And every week, they would go and meet uh, often refugees from Latin America, some with the most horrific stories and often on public transport they would carry the food that they'd cooked for the groups that they were going to and um, so week by week um, on a Thursday she would ring me we would have a bit of a coaching conversation and the um, the kind of it was like uh, every week was virtually the same Um, it was either a high or a low so it was either this is fantastic, we had a great time, or the next week, nobody turned up, or the next week, loads of people turned up, but nobody was interested in the Bible study, (laughs) nobody was interested, and so we would have this conversation week by week, all the way through, literally till last year, and so my refrain to her always was this, it's through faith and patience we inherit that you need both faith and patience. And uh, she needed a lot of patience with people who were in some ways a little bit dysfunctional, also just, in a sense, trying to find one another. Now, uh, I, Rosie tells me last Sunday or the Sunday before, I forgot, she runs now a, a bi-weekly Sunday afternoon um, site congregation for Latin speakers. I think that the most numbers there and uh, a, a growing congregation. But reality is it takes faith and patience. And uh, I want to look at this whole thing of patience and faith this morning from the book of James. And uh, we're going to start from James chapter 5 and verse 7. And uh, it says this, Dear brothers and sisters... Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. It's interesting that James puts patience in the big macro 
um, thing, which is eventually Jesus is going to come back again. That actually there will be a day when everything will be new. The whole creation, everything will be made new. So he puts it in the big picture. What I was doing with Rosie was put it into a little time frame, (laughs) a little time frame of a couple of years. And yet uh, we also will see that actually James does that as well with his illustration. Patience is mentioned four times in four verses. So for James, this little bit of what is right into the Hebrew uh, disparate Christians that were all over the Roman Empire was uh, really, really important. I don't know how many of you got Amazon Prime when you use it to uh, order stuff. Isn't it frustrating when you don't get it the next day? <laughs> there was a one moment you could have got it in two hours. I, don't, I think they've kind of ditched that. I don't know. I haven't been able to see it. But there, there's something about our culture now which gets ultra, ultra frustrated is if we don't get what we think we should get when we think we should get it. Yeah? And that is right through our, our culture. And it's, it's only a generation that's got there. You realize it's literally in, in our generation, we have got this whole philosophy that if we want it, we can get it. I remember my dad when he bought... His first house, I think he paid £1,500 for a brand new house just after the war. And, um, and he said to me, I don't think he carpeted it for the first three years because fundamentally he could just afford to get the house. And I remember him saying to me once, Colin, when people buy houses now, they expect it fully furnished, <laughs> fully carpeted with everything in there, including the big television, you know? And just, it's a, just a generation that has gone from actually things take time (laughs) to actually we want them instantly. And that is so true in the church as well. So true in terms of church planting, in terms of what we're doing. I often say to people, you know, they say, how's it gone in Manchester? I just keep saying it's like one big plod. (laughs) You know, it's 30 years, 14 churches. And they say, how do you do that? It's just plodding. (laughs) It's just faith and patience. You just keep going. And it's so not in our culture. So many churches are trying to do things to get success quicker and quicker and quicker. And so I think it's such a timely word when we look at the whole concept of patience. And uh, I often say this, that patience without faith is actually not very good. (laughs) It's kind of fatalism in the end. And so often we can think of patience like stoic or fatalism. Do you understand that? You're kind of what will be, will be. I was with some Indian uh, brothers and sisters last night. We were praying for revival. And uh, I was just making this comment about you know, they understand fatalism. They understand from their culture that actually fatalism is kind of inbred, ingrained um, in them. What will be, will be. You know, what you were birthed into will be. And we're not talking about that when we talk about 
uh, patients. We're talking about faith, believing that actually God Almighty in our patients <laughs> will intervene, will turn up, will do miracles. As I say, James uses an illustration of a farmer. So having started by saying um, patience about the Lord's coming and putting it in that context, his illustration actually is very, very time-orientated. And uh, it says this. It says, um, uh, consider the farmer, this is verse 7, who patiently waits for the rain in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. And so he's basically saying this, uh, that the farmer, as the amplified version of this uh, verse says, expectantly waits for the rains to come. Sows the seed and then patiently, expectantly waits for God to produce the rain that will produce the harvest. And as you see here, this is an annual event. Puts what I was talking to Rosie a little bit more into context, that actually there are seasons. There are seasons for God to move and that our role is to be patient and full of faith that what God says he will do, he will do. It's interesting when we think of Patience. I was uh, thinking of when I was converted, which was a long time ago now. <laughs> and I was 16. I'm 67 now, so do the maths. Um, but in those times, there was an expectation that revival would happen. There was a move of God um, in our church, in our area. As I said, to, I think last time I preached here, I ended up by getting drunk, sleeping on the church hall floor, and that's how I ended up in the church. But God broke out in that church a few, few weeks, a few months later, and I got caught up in this expectation that something remarkable was going to happen in our nation. Now, the reality is that remarkable things did happen. Actually, our church was birthed out of that move of God. But actually, there was something deeper in people's hearts, something more expectation of a revival in our nation. I, I rang up Terry Virgo, a real dear friend of mine, someone I've worked with for years, running New Frontiers, and uh, I just said to him last week, I said, Terry, tell me, how did it start for you, the expectation of a revival and God to do something? He said, Colin, and then it was like I'd just touched, I could have talked to him for hours. He said, there was a guy, he told me his name and I forgot it because I wasn't making notes. Um, he said, a guy believed that we needed to pray for revival. And so gathered a few people over the new year, which Terry was one of them. And they prayed one or two new years for God to move. And then that grew and eventually became a little Bible week. And then eventually came the big Bible weeks that some of us have been to um, in, in, our, in our past. But it just started in a small, small gathering. And it's interesting, I know this, that Terry now 
on a Wednesday when he's in the UK, meets with a group of people in Sussex and they're back to praying for revival, for God to do. When we talk about patience and faith, this is like early 60s. And there's still an expectation and faith that God will do something. I was listening to Andy Hawthorne talking about how the message started 30 years ago. This city desperately needs a move of God. And so I'm giving myself more and more just to pray for revival. That's why we're going to get together in January, an hour every lunchtime, right in the city centre, to pray with other churches across the city for revival. That's why we're going to gather on New Year's Eve, eat together and then pray for God to move. You see, it's faith and patience. That's what I'm trying to say is that this isn't a revival preach. It's about faith and patience. And whatever you have been longing for, and revival is one, it can be healing, it can be God to move in your family, it can be many, many different things. Some of us give up too, too quickly through faith and patience, expectantly waiting, not stoically, not fatalistically, but actually when needed, stepping out. That's what the farmer did. He's expectantly waiting there, ready to move. And uh, it takes courage and faith, and we'll come on to that in, in a moment. And so in, uh, as we go on in um, this uh, little section of uh, James, it says this in verse 8, You too must be patient. And take courage, for the Lord is near. You know, patience and courage, you don't kind of think in the same terms, do you? It's like, you know, courage is when you're actually on on the move and and you're, you're doing stuff. Actually, there is a courage that comes with patience. And um, for these um, Hebrew Christians, they were living in massive persecution that uh, things were difficult. In fact, if you read the first six verses of chapter 5, it talks about rich people. And it actually talks about how God is going to judge them. And uh, these rich people were actually, we would call, ripping off, (laughs) taking advantage of, abusing the poor for their gains. And so the first few verses leading up to what I'm preaching on, is all about God's judgment on the rich when he comes again. It's all in the context of the second coming. And so courage to stand firm, courage to keep going, courage to not let the pressure of the world wear you down, trip you up, is so important as we're being patient. Because patience can sometimes just leave us actually vulnerable. You know, sometimes I feel easier when I'm on the move. Do you know? Sometimes I feel, I feel more in control <laughs> when I'm actually doing something. I'm an activist. You know, that's why when I pray, I have to walk. When I preach, I have to walk. It's like something in me. I'm just... You know, sitting quietly, <laughs> um, I don't think I ever did when I was born. 
You know, I think my mum said we had a six-foot fence. I think I could climb it when I was about two years old. She oh told God. me that she literally had to rescue me. You know, because that, that's just the way I am. So you can imagine patience is just something hard for me. And I, I, if and taking courage when I'm patient, it's, just, it's, it's an extra thing, you know. And so it says here, you know, take courage for the Lord's coming is near. God is going to vindicate. God is going to do stuff. Phil Moore, in his commentary on these verses, says this, things were not going to get easier for the Jewish Christians. Not in the short term, anyway. After the letter we are studying was written, Emperor Claudius was going to ban the Jews in Rome from holding any religious meetings. And in AD 49, he would expel them from the imperial capital. That was only just the beginning the Jewish Christians would be increasingly persecuted by their own countrymen too. And we saw that with Paul and Barnabas and others. And then unknown to James, as he wrote this letter, he would also be illegally executed at the hands of the chief priests in AD 62. Take courage. (laughs) Take courage. Things are difficult. Some of you are going through some very, very traumatic and difficult things. Some of you are not. Sometimes when people say to me, how is it, Colin? I say, it depends what minute of the day you ask me. You know, it depends what hour you ask me. Sometimes life's like that, isn't it? You can be cruising and then something just hits you. Really hard, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's illness, whether it's losing a job. I took a dear Indian friend of mine to the meeting last night, and I hadn't seen him for a month because I've been away. And I just said, how's it going? He said, I've just been sat. I've just lost my job. The company's gone bankrupt. Will you pray for me? You know, things happen, don't they? Things happen to us, and... uh, so it says here, take courage in the difficult times. And then let's just carry on. It says this, verse 9. And I find this really strange verse in this context. It says this, don't grumble about each other's brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. It's gone from patience and courage now to grumbling. But actually, the more I look at this, the more I realize you grumble often when things are not going well. You're prone to grumble in times when you're waiting patiently because things irritate you. People irritate you. Circumstances irritate you. Moses found he had millions at one point grumbling (laughs) literally uses that word they grumbled and said to Moses why did you get us out of slavery (laughs) I mean man alive why did you get us out of slavery you know 
Zero. That's a terrible grumble. <laughs> That's an awful grumble. You know, they were basically viewing the promised land and thought, I don't think we can do it. They're too big for us. Actually, it's better that we were slaves than we might be killed. <laughs> and they were grumbling. And you can see that in, in this context, it's so easy to grumble. I was um, listening to a, um, a, a, a great preacher who was preaching on this and, uh, in, in New York and uh, yesterday, in fact. And when I was listening, it came to this bit and it, it kind of addressed me. It kind of came to me and said, grumbling in most people's mind is a minor sin. <laughs> Sex, adultery, stealing, murder... <laughs> You know, it's like, where does grumbling come? <laughs> because we all grumble. He was saying in New York, everybody grumbles. <laughs> I would say that's true in Manchester. And it's almost like we've got used to it as being normal. Do you know? You're allowed a bit of a grumble every now and then when someone cuts you up in the car. <laughs> or someone annoys you. Or... Things don't go as you think they should. And Amazon doesn't deliver exactly <laughs> when they promise to deliver it. Do you know? And yet, here it says this. Brothers and sisters, don't grumble or you will be judged. And then it, and to, to kind of ram it home, he says this. For the judge is standing at the door. Man alive. I didn't put grumbling on that way. <laughs> I didn't put grumbling into that sort of thing. When the judge comes, I didn't expect him to judge my grumble. Did you? It's, it's stark. Be patient, take courage, don't grumble. And when you put them together, you can see that they are together. <laughs> that actually, so many church leaders, so many churches struggle because they're dealing with grumbling. It's just the way it is. Our nation, teachers, Doctors, nurses, society, a lot of time they're dealing with the general grumble. <laughs> we have a little puppy, and we have another dog which was a puppy two years ago. So they're both called puppy, which is very confusing. But the older one just grumbles. <laughs> I think I've said to her, this is silly, isn't it? Don't grumble. It's only a puppy we've just got in. You know, even dogs grumble. But, you know, it's so important that we understand that grumbling is a big sin. That actually, it is not a minor. <laughs> it's not down there. 
it's actually very, very real. And for the Israelites, it cost them 40 years and a whole generation missing out on the inheritance. That's how stark it was. 40 years of wandering and a whole generation that would never see the promised land. That's what grumbling is. So, let's finish. (laughs) I started by talking about Rosie and Beth. And actually, through faith and patience, seeing God move. I looked at the Andy Hawthorne, who basically believed in revival when he started the message. He believed in a move of God. Talked about Terry Virgo, to myself, who believed in a revival and are still believing faith and patience. But it takes courage. It takes courage to still be there praying and expecting when things are not going well. That's either big persecutions and around the world there's some major persecutions taking place. Or it's the general wear and tear of life, which so many of us, the attrition of life actually just gets into us. And you know, I was talking to a number of pastors a few months ago and I, I talked on cynicism. And I said to them, I'm 67, and I don't think I'm cynical. I said, I don't think there's many who are like that. Because, you see, cynicism gets in when actually we lose ground. We grumble. We start judging things. We start kind of letting it get into our spirit. And, you know, our nation is rampant with cynicism. We're cynical about everything. God wants a different people. God, God wants us to be different. He wants us to have faith that, like the farmer, <laughs> the rains will come. The first rain and the second rain. He wants us to be full of courage that actually we can face and will face the trials of today. And then it says this, as I, as I, I finish, it says, For example of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job. Many of us know about Job. (laughs) He basically suffered virtually all his life. A man of great endurance or great patience. The interesting thing you see, basically what he's saying is this. These are heroes because they kept on until the end. (laughs) These are heroes of the Bible because they kept going, believing that God would vindicate believing that God would come to them. And it says this, You will see the Lord was kind to Job in the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy.
The Lord is long-suffering. <laughs> the Lord is patient. Do you want to be like the Lord? Do you want to be like Jesus? Of course you do. Don't grumble. <laughs> be long-suffering. Be full of faith. Pray like the farmer, full of expectation that the first rain will come and the second rain will come and the seed that was sown will germinate, will grow. God said to me, Colin, you will plant 20 churches. I think Rosie, number 15 or 14, got a few more to go. But faith and patience, <laughs> we will inherit. 